Every day I'm shuffling. Broadcasting from atop the Hensler Financial Building in the heart of Georgia's financial district, Kennesaw, Georgia. This is Money Talks. All right, so I know we've got some, uh, we do have a bunch of email questions. We so do. You want to go over those? Absolutely. Let's start with our good friend, Bill Murray, who writes, Technology has hurt brick and mortar retailers. Will it do the same to the oil industry? Um, I, you know, honestly, there have been lots of changes in technology in just about every industry we're talking about. Brick and mortar retailers, you know, we were just talking about it. Walmart doing well in spite of uh, the strength that Amazon's brought. We all love to shop from the house. Uh, you know, you can uh, you can go prime and get things really quickly. When you talk about oil, what's going to kill oil? Well, our industrial complex is basically reliant on oil. Uh, our automobiles, for the most part, are reliant still on oil. We do have some alternatives. Uh, we saw recently that um, Tesla came out with a new roof system, mm-hmm. solar roof, solar uh, roof. that would possibly get us off of uh off of electricity and you know make changes there. There, a lot of folks are focused. The solar on, roof for the car. Yes. No, no, no. Well, the, the car as well, but the solar roof is is really more for the house. Oh. Uh, they've got one now. Think of this, Bill. How's that work in the rain? Two thousand. Well, they they got battery systems, so it it'll supply for a little while. But uh, a two thousand square foot house, the system costs about fifty thousand dollars after tax breaks. Um. I don't see it being mainstream. I think it's too expensive still. Uh, and and they're saying that it'll save you $65,000 over a period of 30 years. Uh, to me, there's just not really enough, uh, enough interest, and you're not going to develop enough interest until you get it down into a price range that's more affordable for the right. common person. Uh, maybe it gets there. I don't think it's going to happen soon. Um, but, you know, ultimately... Yeah. So, so you you take the question as because of these technological advances, right. people won't be using oil. Yeah, that's that's yeah. I think the the crux of his question. Now we do see people moving their their automobiles. We see more and more hybrids. We see uh, electric cars. The Tesla being as popular as it is is a you know a move in that direction. But we haven't really adopted. Uh, even the the electric cars nearly to the level that uh, Europe has, and I think Europe's only about eight nine percent mm-hmm. total um, penetration in that market. Um, I I just don't think we're there. And and you know what's bizarre to me? We had oil at what a hundred and eighty dollars, yeah, something like that. I think high. was one tick right. at two thousand eight. And what was the conversation at the time? It was you know we've got this is uh, peak oil. Peak oil. We weren't going to have enough oil right. to, to right. Uh, run our system for the long term. Now we're seeing oil below 50 bucks a barrel. Right. Uh, we know that the Saudis can produce a whole lot more than they do today, and they've right. proved it over the last couple of years. Well, and we, uh, we also know we can, too. Uh, right. Well, that's true. Yeah, uh, well. Plus yeah, natural gas. Technologies actually help that significantly. Right. The, the fracturing technology called fracking now, more specifically, um, you know, was a was a technological change. But I think ultimately, uh, in order for people to uh, adopt those renewable energy sources, you're going to have, and we still have it, uh, you have tax breaks. The government has to pitch in and help and try to get us moving in that direction just to make it cheap enough. Once you get a certain level of uh, uh, of usage, then you'll you'll probably see uh, see the price come down. You'll see folks start uh, 
piling on a little better, but I don't think I would worry enough about it at the moment to do away with oil. The thing that I have a bigger problem with when it comes to oil is the fact that it's prices are basically managed by a cartel mm. in the Middle East. Uh, they just proved, Saudi Arabia just proved that they could spike prices lower just by overproducing oil. Um, and, and they now the same conversation's going on. You know, everybody's holding back. We're trying to make sure that the price stays at a certain level because in, in showing the world that they could control it, uh, they also, also proved where their bottom was. They started getting in, uh, uh, in some pretty serious financial uh, straits. Uh, by the fact that they had lowered oil, I think they had set their um, their budget, the budget of Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about at about 73 bucks a barrel, and uh, then they went ahead and spiked prices down in the 20s. Uh, it, it got tough. Uh, you know, some of their their construction companies started uh, the the checks they were writing to their uh, employees started bouncing. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you start having that issue, then they they went too far. Uh, They are talking more about diversifying their economy. I don't know why they didn't do that 100 years ago. 100 is probably too much. But in the 1940s is when they really came into being as an oil uh, powerhouse. But, uh, you know, you think about over the last, what's that, 70 years? Right. 77 years? Right. You should have been able to diversify your economy during a period like that. you got some young folks in Saudi Arabia, some of the young leaders that are talking more about it now. Be great for them to do it, uh, and and I think, uh, you know, a lot of folks point to the fact that they're trying to float Saudi Aramco uh, stock price, you know, IPO a portion of the company uh, as them selling at the top or selling in an economy or a time when oil is still a viable option. Yeah, why wouldn't you do it? Why wouldn't you have done this years ago is my question. So um, I wouldn't worry so much about oil going away. I don't believe in my lifetime that oil is going to plummet to the point where we don't use it as still a pretty significant staple. Um, But sure. What oil companies are you you, uh, enamored with right now? I I don't know if I'd call it enamored. I I like to be exposed to the the sector. ExxonMobil is... is, uh, Probably my, my biggest focus. And then, uh, you know, we have uh, exposure to Schlumberger, mm-hmm. uh, some of the services companies like that. Uh, we recently in one of the portfolios bought Valero, which is a refiner. Um, and, you know, the biggest thing is when we make the swap, uh, uh, Valero more specifically was uh, was a dividend play. So we want to make sure the dividend is, is uh, covered. covered well. You know, what do you usually look at when you're looking at dividend coverage? Uh, I like to make sure that it's at least one, which means that the earnings being generated behind the scene are are sufficient to cover the dividend payout. Of course, it needs to be a little more than that. You talk about earnings, it's not really cash flow. Um, but uh, anything over one, I feel pretty secure with. Uh, just making sure that uh, the the amount that the company is earning is sufficient to pay the investors that dividend that we expect to see. Of course, it's got to be, you know, the the interest on any debts are paid before that, right. and you know, so there's there's lots of items that are in there, but uh, the the dividend uh, is is an after earnings thing. So you know, as long as the company is showing me uh, gap related earnings uh, on a uh, extraordinary basis, meaning going forward, operations are still going to be sufficient to cover that dividend, then I'm usually happy. I always like that extraordinary. 
But what if they keep having extraordinary every quarter? Well, extraordinary is not going to be long-term sustainable. So what is in extraordinary? The, uh, the extraordinary would be if the company sold off a division, if they closed down a segment, uh, you know, if they sold off a specific asset uh, and they had a gain from it, then they don't count the gain. So uh, a lot of times it's, it's a lower number than you would get if the earnings were, were reported just totally with, you know, all we want to see is, going forward into the future that operations are going to still be steady enough to pay us that dividend. So I don't want you out there selling all your assets. It's not long-term sustainable. You start selling things off and it bothers me. The company is starting to deteriorate in my opinion. This is not, we we wouldn't talk about Sears as a long-term investment because of those sorts of things. You know, in the last couple of months, they've sold off Die Hard and they've sold off uh, Craftsman. Yeah, Yeah, so... Uh, that's a bother to me, but you want to make sure it's long-term sustainable. So extraordinary is very important. But we got a couple of planning questions, right, sure. DJ? Yeah, we do. We have a question in reference to the cost of college and what it includes. Uh, a lot of times what, what we feel and what we see and hear from parents is, you know, they think that, uh, you know, I'm going to only need to spend money on tuition, room, and board. Uh, and there's a little bit more that goes into the planning and cost of actually going to school. Lots of inflation in uh, college. There would be, uh, yep. Uh, yep. Uh, what do we see? It's it's high. We just talked about inflation earlier in the show, around 2%. But uh, college and education-related inflation is over 5%, yeah. and it has been for a while. So that's one of the big things you got to concern yourself with, not how much college is today, but, I mean, if you're talking 10 years out at 5%, that's a huge growth. Massive, absolutely. Um, you know, books and supplies, obviously. Right. Those, uh, it's amazing how much they want to charge for books. Just the books. Just the books. And you get to and sell you know them back. Yeah, you, you get, get to sell them back, back for half price. Well, maybe that. 30%. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Well, don't they also do room and board in the calculation, too, or no? Yes, they yeah. do. Okay. Yeah, but but the other additional cost. I mean, you got transportation and personal right. expenses that right. a lot of people don't ever take into play. Sure, you know, especially when we're talking to you know um, talking about student loans, a lot of those can be fed into a student loan. Yeah, you know, they use that as kind yeah, it's, of a payday. It's not the it's cost of college. We always talk about this here. We're like, look, the cost of college. You can go to Kennesaw State for like eighty five hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, that's the cost of getting the education. Right now, but how do you? Do they need to live? live? I mean, have you seen? Where are you going to? St- oh, some the of these apartments. Housing? Yeah, I'm like, I live there. You that's kidding? crazy. Yeah, they got some nice stuff, and, nice and that's housing. a lot of the reason that we have so much inflation in that price, well, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. and you talk, and, and they literally can borrow enough so that they, they can, can float the entire process. Right. All the food, you know, the everything right. can be taken care of. And and on campus, there's not just the mess hall, if you will. Right. I mean, there's nice restaurants. If you will, yeah, you know, you right. can go yeah. up and order different flavors yeah. and different, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, also, you know, like you were saying, personal expenses. I mean, how far are you going to live if you're not living in the nice, you know, nearby locales? You know, what are those prices be? What's yeah. the fuel cost? Are you going to give your kid the '87 Honda, or are you going to give of them the course. nice? Ford Mustang. What I would do is give the kid a, lot, a job. You know. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, how about that? That's a concept. What's Have that? Have you ever heard of a job? J O E. Yeah. Yeah. It's not even a four letter word. Nope. But it is to some extent. Yeah, it, it almost is. <laughs> all right. So let's see. What else do we got here? So a lot goes into play in there. So, you know, it's not just how much is it? It, there's, it takes a little bit more to, to define those actual costs. Yeah. You want to cover that one, Stephanie from Woodstock, 
I'm 67, approaching retirement, and will enroll in Medicare once I leave my employer. If I'm covered by Medicare, should I have additional health insurance? It's a tough question. Obviously, you know, pre-plan, uh, since we don't know a lot about your personal situation, we want, we'd love to have an opportunity to, to really dive into this one. Uh, an easy answer, Yes. You know, have if you have a little bit more coverage, uh, Medicare you can assume is a secondary plan. So if you if you have let's just you know have any type of uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Georgia, if you currently have Blue Cross Blue Shield, you go to the hospital, they will be your primary coverage. Medicare will kind of be a secondary. The backstop. The ba- exactly, uh, and then obviously any out of pocket expenses you you'd pay for. Uh, there as well. So, you know, any additional coverage you can have is going to be a little bit better for you uh, budget-wise. Though, yes, you're going to have the additional expense paying for those monthly premiums uh, in the long run. Uh, it, if there is an illness, you're you're going to be covered, if you will. You've got two different insurance premiums kind of coming into play, kicking in to assist on some of those larger expenses. So right. a quick answer would be if you can afford to have the second coverage, you know, do it. Try to keep it. Yeah. All right. Well, we got time to cover uh, another. Uh, this is another one of those retailers we've been talking about. Miriam from Roswell asks, uh, I've been hanging on to Foot Locker for a while. Uh, it was initially a temporary holding, but it has kept going up. Uh, I've been good about taking my profits when I can. Should I keep holding this one? Um, it's never a bad thing to have profits in an investment, right? It might cost you a little in tax, but uh, mm-hmm. that's really just a haircut off the top of the profit that you made. Uh, When I look at this company, it looks uh, a little bit expensive, a peg of 1.41. What is peg? It's the uh, forward price-to-earnings ratio divided by the growth rate. The expected growth rate on this uh, company, Foot Locker, is 10.12%. I always measure that relative to what it's done lately. The five-year earnings growth is 17.86%, which... uh, I would say going forward, 10% is probably not a very bad guess. Uh, one of the things that Foot Locker does is it's got a, a pretty robust um, e-commerce site as well. So any of the companies you see in retail, uh, while this is a brick-and-mortar play, um, it, it has uh, pretty reasonable uh, ways that an in, a, uh, individual can go out, a consumer can go out and, and uh, buy their shoes. Different outlets. Online. Yep. or Yeah, exactly. So, you know, I, I think all things considered, it, it does meet our criteria for investment based on uh, financial strength and safety. Uh, when I look at what other analysts think, they expect to see another 10% gain in the next 12 months. Um, if you look at uh, the one-year target price, it's about 83 bucks. Right now, the company's selling at 76, so we got uh, um, approximately a 10% gain, you know, based on based on what expectations are. Um, of course, they never tell you if they think a recession's coming or what the conditions, economic conditions, might be going forward either. But uh, you know, as far as as far as what they got, uh, look at what it's done over the past 12 months, almost 25%. So it's blown the market away more or less. Uh, S&P was up 18.95% in that period. Uh, the uh, consumer discretionary sector is up about 15.17. So it's been a, a real standout. Does meet the criteria. Uh, you know, if you if you want to stay in that consumer discretionary, there is no issue there. I think it's a decent stock. 
right. It's, Hold. it's interesting because, uh, you know, one quickly, one one thing that our clients always say is that, you know, they make a little money, but then they never want to sell for the gain. That's right. So you're saying it's okay to sell for gains. Is that what you It is saying? absolutely always yeah. okay to sell, but you're going to have to sell for the gain in order to spend the money. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. All material presented is compiled from sources believed to be reliable and current, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. The contents are intended for general information purposes only. Information provided should not be the sole basis in making any decisions and is not intended to replace the advice of a qualified professional, such as a tax consultant, insurance advisor, or attorney. Although this material is designed to provide accurate and authoritative information with respect to the subject matter, it may not apply in all situations. This is not to be construed as an offer to buy or sell any financial instruments. It is not our intention to state, indicate, or imply in any manner that current or past results are indicative of future profitability or expectations. Portfolio holdings discussed are subject to change. There is no guarantee that in the future these securities will be held in Hensler accounts. As with all investments, there are associated inherent risks. Please obtain and review all financial material carefully before investing. Hensler is not licensed to offer or sell insurance products. This overview is not to be construed as an offer to purchase any insurance products.